welcome to Arts District, the podcast. Today I'm joined by Aaron Mateo Arroyo. You may have heard him on the podcast a few months ago talking about his journey to get his MFA and how much fun that was. Also, if you are a consumer of theater, you may have seen him back in January playing Florizel in Shakespeare in the Bar's production of Winter's Tale alongside a, I must say, dazzling, enchanting force of a woman playing your love interest. Who was that, Erin? My wife. Oh, she sounds wonderful. It's you. It's me. Surprise. <laughs> well, thank you for joining me today. Um, you didn't have much of a choice, but I appreciate you coming to our coffee table. It's always nice to just plop down and have a conversation with you. So. Oh, okay. Well, let's talk about Shakespeare because you mm. are what I would call um, a Shakespeare snob. How do you respond to that? Sure. I mean, not a snob. I would say that I really enjoy it. I love Shakespeare. Um, I definitely think it's a positive thing, especially when you get to go out and see great Shakespeare. So I'd say I'm an aficionado. Okay. Tell us about some of the Shakespeare you've been working on during this pandemic. So I've been very grateful to have, you know, started actually directing a production of Twelfth Night which we're setting in the 1960s during the Vietnam era, which I'm very excited about. And I am grateful enough to be working on a project of Henry V with uh, Shakespeare Everywhere, where we're playing with cameras. And when it's actually safe to do so, be able to do a live performance of it. You've done some Zoom ratings, too, that I've tuned into. Yeah, absolutely. The Plague Mask Players is happening by the lovely Samantha Cobb. She's phenomenal, and her wonderful company of uh, Shakespeare players are doing online readings. So I've been able to do Hamlet and Two Gentlemen of Verona and uh, get to continue the vocabulary of Shakespeare and through that company. And... I've been very fortunate to have been, you know, working with them. Cool. Well, I think Shakespeare, especially for young actors or actors still in the early parts of their training, can be very scary. Mm -hmm. So is performing Shakespeare hard? Yeah, absolutely. I think it is. But I think that's what's the glorious challenge, especially as a creative. I think that many people think that acting and singing and dancing in theater is easy and it shouldn't be. And it's not. I think if it was, everyone would be doing it, especially Shakespeare. And I find it riveting that you could take just his allegories or his texts or his relationships and you get to expand upon that because it's how we feel in the moment with that, that language. And I think that, you know, for young artists starting out with Shakespeare, I think being gentle with one's patience is important. And I think that taking the time with his work is, it is hard, but it becomes easy once you're able to actually crack that sort of language code, I guess yeah. you could say. Yeah, I read somewhere that in Europe, they start their actors with Shakespeare, and then it's like a rite of passage to learn contemporary work. Wow. And in the US, it's kind of like a side skill. Yeah. You know, you start with, 
all the big contemporary works and then kind of like, oh, I know how to do stage combat. Shakespeare's just like this side thing. But even then, it's like, when did we hit Shakespeare? High school, right? I mean, I, I think we all do a Shakespeare play in high school, and I did a Shakespeare play in college. Well, even being introduced. Yeah, but I didn't really study it and, like, learn how to do it as a craft right. until later, much late, like, when I paid for a class after college. Right. I think what's really cool is now Shakespeare is being introduced to elementary schools. I mean, now it's, you know, it's a horrible time for theater, but especially for those theater educators, many schools are introducing small little Shakespeare scenes Mm -hmm. outside of like their music classes. So they're having like itty bitty, you know, drama classes and they're being introduced to Shakespeare, which I think is phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the Shakespeare police. Is there a right way to do Shakespeare? No. How so? I hate Shakespeare, <laughs> the term, even the term Shakespeare police, people who say that you're doing it wrong. I just, I, I, that's infuriating. There's no right way to do learn Shakespeare. I mean, it's important to understand the fundamentals, right? Like any play, any musical, but to strip away someone's practice and say you're doing it wrong. It's like acting, right? Mm -hmm. How can you be acting wrong? Well, you probably don't understand the moment or the given circumstances or whatever is happening to set yourself up for that scene. That doesn't mean it's wrong. You're not wrong. You just miss some information. That's fine. Shakespeare's the same way. It's more detailed in that fact, but there's no right way to do it. And I find that it's already difficult to keep people interested in Shakespeare to have negative Nancy's in there and saying that you're doing it wrong is mm-hmm. even more frustrating. There's no such thing as you're doing it wrong, but it is important to understand the fundamentals. So what are the fundamentals of understanding Shakespeare? That's a great question. I think that, you know, understanding how it's written, if, it, if it's rhyming couplets, if it's prose, poetry, does it scan properly in the I am? Do you find something off about the the meter? Is it a trochee then, a spondy? What are the basic uh, sort of uh, set yourself up for understanding the meter is important because it's going to tell you then what the character is arguing about, what the story is about. Is it exposition? What's the action? What is actually driving that scene or that soliloquy that that those, those basic sort of... Uh, Literary devices are important, but it, it takes practice like anything else. It's like learning music. It is learning almost essentially a whole other language. But once you have those, then what many scholars say, and what many educators say is you can cheat. You can cheat. Shakespeare is literally, he wrote it in one form, but you are the actor. You are the vessel. You are telling the story. So you can change how you say things, making sure that it fits in the meter, obviously, but you could change it in many very, very different ways. So you could literally be explaining something with either more urgency or you are actually more relaxed. You could cheat because there's that little golden ticket that you get to cheat. There is no right or wrong way. Do I have to know iambic pentameter in order to perform Shakespeare? So I am an educator. Okay. And I'm not a, I like how you laughed at that. 
because it's important. I say yes. Okay. You have to. And that's why it's so hard. That's why I say yes, it's hard. It's not enough to just know the subtext of what you're saying. No. You need to know. You have to know. It's the training wheels. You can't just ride a bike without the training wheels, right? Mm -hmm. You fall face first. I like that image. Okay. It's no, I like that. That's a good like way to put it. <laughs> uh, it's it's just a fact. Like yes. for me, and that's probably me policing right now. It's important to have those fundamentals, like I said. Mm -hmm. Once you understand those fundamentals, then you can start doing your wheelies and stuff like that. Before then, you can't. It's important to even understand the basics of I am. I think that's why it's always introduced, even in English class, by a teacher who doesn't even know it. Sure. It's always introduced because that you have to know. Yeah. Yeah. And then teenagers get frustrated because they're like, it talks funny and we yeah. just don't understand. Do you have advice for someone performing Shakespeare for the first time or in the early stages of exploring Shakespeare? I've said it before. I mean, what do you wish all of your students could know about Patience. Patience is a virtue, and that's serious. The kids want it now. I'm going into my second semester teaching heightened text, and now I'm starting the new class, that Shakespeare text, which I'm, I'm doing. And I remember when I was teaching the other class, it was like, they want it now. They needed to understand it now. Even though we have two, three days exploring the language and, and, and understanding, you know, I am and, and, and all those, you know, cool little tricks and tools. And they wanted it now. They couldn't understand why Shakespeare is, meant to, is not meant to be read. It's supposed to be heard. It's supposed to be up on its feet and moving. But you do have to do that table work. And I think that many people aren't excited anymore or they don't have the patience. So literally having that is going to already put you in a better place mentally. Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons I tease you about being a Shakespeare snob is because <sighs> I personally just enjoy reading plays out of an Arden Shakespeare. Mm. And you are set on Folgers being the <laughs> superior written text of Shakespeare. Why is that? Oh boy, I don't even know how to explain that. I mean, I can without sounding like a douchebag. <laughs> um, I feel like a snob, it's okay. It's not a snob, so. It's a badge of honor. No, it's not, because uh, they, they offer the same thing. They literally okay. offer the same thing. If you look at a Folgers, uh, edition, and you look at an Arden's edition of a show, they have wonderful uh, explanations. And in fact, I would even argue that the Arden is probably even more detailed, too detailed. I like that sort of ambiguity of like, where can I live in? Mm -hmm. What does this mean? And then I get to play. Okay. I think the Folger gets to offer that. But not only that, it's the only largest Shakespeare library in our country and in Washington, D.C. So this sounds stupid, but there's almost this patriotic side of it okay. that we are Westerners and, and we are, that's a whole other thing of, you know, taking the Western side of out of Shakespeare, but we are Westerners and to have our scholars and American scholars, Shakespeare, American scholars update, revise and say, Hey, we could go with this route. I, I enjoy plus they're significantly cheaper. Mm. <laughs> Okay. 
a lot less expensive than uh, the the Arden. And that's why I'm saying like the Arden is priced because of the detailed work that they put into it. So it's, you know, it's definitely deserved that price, but I I like something where this is a huge playground essentially. And this is what this means and this is what this means. That middle part is unknown and you as the actor or actress get to discover what that means then. Okay. And I think that the Folger offers not only great insight, but lovely direction of play. What is a first folio and what's the big deal about them? <laughs> so the first folio is the original printing of what Shakespeare showed or what Shakespeare intended for his shows to sound and look like. So it's this huge book of his collections and so where we see Romeo and Juliet, that is now probably about 90 minutes. His original interpretation was about four, four hours. Mm. <laughs> and now you're done in two. So those two hour versions are quartos. So those are the ones that editors uh, read the first folio and they said, we can shop this down. And they chopped it down to smaller versions of that show. And I have seen a folio. I went to grad school at UC Irvine. And they have an extensive uh, literary department and they have, they purchased a folio and actually Folgers has the world's largest collection of folios. There's about 250 that have been discovered and they have about 200 of them. I mean, so you're saying if I pull Romeo and Juliet off of our bookshelf right now, yeah, that is not the way that Shakespeare originally wrote that play. I mean, there's isms in there, so yeah. like certain moments, but not the it's full like length. It's like condensed version. Yes. If you can believe it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. And they're incredibly rare. They're very rare. They're so hard to find. And, and they're old as... Like 1600s old. Okay. <laughs> and they're worth millions and okay. millions and millions of dollars. And you got to... See one? Yeah. One? I got to see one and actually go through the pages and it was it was wonderful. I just I couldn't pay attention to the the print. Mm. Even though it's like the weird scrolling. Uh, yeah, it, it, you know, we we studied it in undergrad so I knew what a folio print looked like, but I was intrigued by the binding, by how they actually created this book and how it was sewn through the pages like by hand. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just unreal. So I was looking more at the craftsmanship of the book than the actual text, I guess you can say, just because I was just in awe of a folio. Not many people get to see one or hold one or touch one. And if you do, it is as rare as actually having one. So, so going back to, you know, Arden versus Folgers versus whatever, can I read my plays from No Fear Shakespeare? Yeah. I have a very strong opinion about No Fear Shakespeare. <laughs> and I think that's more, probably why you asked. And are you saying Folger or Folgers? Because Folger is the coffee. Folger is the... Folger. Okay. I thought that I was saying... <laughs> I'm saying like... Yes. Okay. Folger. Like... Folger Live. Oh, yes. Well, I mean, it's the family yes. Folger, but... Apostrophe, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I don't know. It sounds like you're talking about coffee. I am talking about coffee. Oh, We're at the coffee, coffee table I know. having coffee I in know. our PJs. It's so good. That's all uh, I can think about. <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, yeah, so I no think fear Shakespeare. no fear Shakespeare is. I've come to terms with it being a good resource, especially starting out. It's not the definitive end all be all. Many people think that it is. I think what is detrimental is if you teach from it and you preach from it. 
it's a great resource of saying, hey, if you're starting out, this is what this means. Yeah. However, I, I love what No Fear Shakespeare can do, and it reaches audiences because it gets to contemporize the text. Mm-hmm. And I think that's phenomenal. But they say, this is what this means. The older you get, the more you study, and the more you're actually diving into the text of Shakespeare, it's important to, like I said, you have to take off those training wheels at some point, right? And you have to actually study and not just say, oh, well, no, no fear says this because no fear tells you this is what this means. And you can't be working with this yeah. is what this means because in fact, it may be not whatever your, the, your fellow student partner is doing yeah. is opposite of what this book is telling sure. you. And sometimes you want your homework to come alive and not actually let your instincts do the work. And so I think it, it forces students to say, well, the homework says this and it's not happening. And I think that's what the problem is with uh, No Fear Shakespeare. Okay. Yeah, it was good for me when I was 16 mm-hmm. and reading Romeo and Juliet for the first time ever. Yeah. And so that was great. Now, as an adult, if I don't understand a line or a word, I'm going to go grab our Shakespeare thesaurus mm-hmm. or dictionary, which we own. We do. <laughs> and nerds. <laughs> um. I love the book. It's Shakespeare's uh, Shakespeare's uh, Words mm-hmm. by David and Ben Crystal, father and son duo. They're phenomenal. Yes. And so now you go grab that and yes. you identify and you move on. Why are we still studying Shakespeare today, do you think? I think... I mean, he is a great playwright, but we have mm-hmm. tons of great playwrights throughout our time. So why are we still studying him today? One, I think it's timeless. It's interesting because he's wrote, he wrote in three genres, comedy, tragedy, and histories. And so there's a little bit of something what's going on in our world and life during these times mm-hmm. within those, those genres. But I think what's now that many people are doing, and I think brilliant directors and artistic directors are doing, is introducing culture to areas that have never been introduced to, you know, African culture or to Indian culture or to, you know, Judaism culture, those sort of heritage Mm -hmm. we're able to now introduce and educate people through that lens. And I think removing that Western lens that I was telling you about, Mm -hmm. because it is so Westernized and it is written through a white lens. If you look at it, it is, we can alter that. We could change, keep his wording because obviously that's what makes it so palpable, but to introduce new customs mm-hmm. with the language. And I think because of that, it's timeless and it's always going to be prevalent. And I think that's what makes his work so astonishing is, and you're right, there are many wonderful playwrights. You know, Stephen Adler is just one of my favorite playwrights ever, but it's very specific in a time. It's mm-hmm. very specific in a, in a culture. And that's what makes his work so amazing, but Shakespeare gets to sort of redefine that wheel and brilliant creators are coming to this and changing it. Mm -hmm. I had a moment when we watched um, the PBS showing of the public theater's Much Ado About Nothing. Oh, that's so good. And like, he accuses her of cheating and hits her at their wedding Mm -hmm. in front of all of their friends and family. He hits her and then it's like, oh, I was wrong let's party woo, and like sweep it under the rug and move on. And I was like, what? There are a lot of things about Shakespeare that I think we're recognizing is very 
bad and dated and I'm so glad you sexist. You're discovering that because it does hit a lot of marital issues, Mm -hmm. which is a fact. There is major relationship and fidelity issues, which we see all the time. We see a lot of stuff like what I'm doing with my 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 twelfth night, where we're really uh, identifying, you know, gender identity, yeah. fluidity, all of that spectrum, and that's the thing is, especially now the the social protests and all these things, that's prevalent in all his works, mm-hmm. and it goes with the times. Yeah. Twelfth Night used to be like, oh, it's a girl dressed up like a boy. Ha ha ha. It's so funny. And yeah. now it's like, actually, there might be something deeper there. Let's Absolutely. talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So it, it progresses over time. Yeah. Absolutely. What's your favorite Shakespeare quote? Um, I have two. One is Polonius from Hamlet. It's to thy own self be true. The other one is Festing Twelfth Night. Better a witty fool than a foolish wit. On that note of Hamlet best Hamlet you've ever seen? Like, best individual performing the role of Hamlet. Ah, okay. I'm not gonna lie, probably Benedict Cumberbatch. Okay. He's pretty damn good. Okay. I like him. He seems really sweet. But he he was pretty damn good. Was he probably too old? Yeah. But he was was awesome. Okay. Dream role? I don't have one. No Shakespearean dream role? Nope. Nothing. Nothing comes to mind. I have shows that I... Oh, what's your dream show? Like, what's the next show you'd love to work on? I know what you want to say. You want to say, my goal is to do the whole canon. Yes. (laughs) I would love to. He's very small, but the role role of Richmond in Richard III, he's very small. He's only in, like, two, three scenes, I think. The role of Richmond. He's one who stops everything, and yet he's so underrated. No one knows him, comes in, he literally beats the shit out of the English. I mean, it's like, he comes out of nowhere. <laughs> and I, I just, I love that role. He stops it. It isn't for the world of Earl of Richmond and Richard III. I mean, he'd, you know, still be tyrannical in that sense, but yeah. Okay. What are three acting books that every actor should read? You know, it doesn't have to be specific to Shakespeare. Just three books that have really shaped you. I as remember an actor. I had books that were like the gospel to me, and I just I'm now of like you do you. Um, well, that's okay. What's the gospel of acting to you? What I really love is like biographies. So like Anthony Sher did a year with the King. There is this book called The King and I. It's, it has nothing to do with Shakespeare, but it's about the biography of Pavarotti, right? So like biography books that actors have written about their process, that is monumental. When you're actually reading from a major source of, you know, especially famous actors that are successful in their process, that I think is important for me. I mean, I've, I've assigned a year with the King in one of my classes before. Were you ever assigned like a textbook that really shaped your acting like throughout grad school or anything? <laughs> yes. Actually, Richard Brestoff, one of my mentors, uh, a fabulous actor and acting coach, uh, the actor's will of connection, the spokes, the six spokes. That was amazing. 
crafting, you know, the, the analogy of the horse and the rider. You, the actor or the rider, your talent and craft is the horse and you get to manage that speed and how far you get to go deep into character and how fa- uh, how much you get to not pull into character. So Actors Will Connection by Richard Brestoff, absolutely. Also, you've had on your nightstand for a while, This is Shakespeare by Emma Smith. Yes, I love her. She's probably my favorite Shakespearean scholar at Oxford. She's an Oxford professor. And she has a wonderful podcast as well. You can't, um, you can't promote other podcasts here. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, we yeah, we love is, podcasts in this house. So I mean, she doesn't update it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, she stopped it about mm, 2018, I think. She went from 2016 to 2018. So she's and not she a competitor. And then, yeah, she put a book out that uh, it's called This is Shakespeare. She's written quite a bit of books, but this is probably her her biggest book yet. And she identifies so many themes and hits the largest Shakespeare books. And, uh, you know, what many people are are, uh, deeming. She essentially shuts up the Shakespeare police. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it's just an awesome book. And she's just phenomenal. And I really hope to meet her one day. Tell me three things that you've consumed throughout this pandemic that have given you a lot of joy, like documentaries, mm-hmm. Netflix shows. What would you got for us? Uh, Formula One. So if I'm new to Formula One as a sport, where should I start? Should uh, I just start watching races? Uh, you should go to FormulaOne.com. Promoting this. Did you read the rules? Because that's what I had to do. What? You think someone's going to go to their website and read the rules and then start? Well, that's me. That's what I had to That's what I did. Well, I thought you, you could literally go the documentary that got you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. You could go to Netflix and watch Drive to Survive and you could watch it. And then develop and then an addiction. Develop an addiction like I have and watch the races. Okay. There you go. And then um, Dallas Stars hockey. We're still watching it in the playoffs. Okay. They got go. What about like fantastic TV or true crimes for sure? Watch that one about the nun that died. Yes, I can't remember what it's <laughs> I can't called remember. now. Oh, the, the keepers. keepers. The keepers. Yeah, that was really good. That was exciting. Yeah, a lot of true crime and just reading plays, yeah. directing. Yeah. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for joining me in our living room are we done we're done do you have any closing thoughts any warm regards no this is great (laughs) where can people keep up with you if they think you're groovy and they want to like put you in one of their shows you could email me directly (laughs) at literally aaron mateo arroyo at gmail.com how are we supposed to say your name can you say it like? Yes. So I really white it down pretty much. I mean, I should my say, name. How are we supposed to say our name? My my name is Aaron Mateo Arroyo. That is my name. But I tell people Aaron Mateo Arroyo. And they go Matteo. And they like, say no, Arolo. Arolo. Arroyo. That's my name. That's great. Well, thank you so much. I'll see you in three seconds. I love you. Okay. Bye.